Hello, and welcome back to King of the Ride podcast. I am Ted King. I am your host, and I am very excited for this episode. You've heard me say that before, that I'm excited for our guest, excited for this episode. It is a true statement every single time. Today's episode is a really cool one in that I'm not only introducing our guest, I'm introducing a very good friend. Frankly, it could be argued that our guest is one of the big reasons why Laura and I moved clear across the country from California to Vermont. Our guest is Roger Brown. Roger, my friend, one of the co-owners and co-founders of Untapped, the sports nutrition company which the two of us share ownership, along with Roger's brother Doug and Andrew Gardner. Roger is a father of four young kids, ages three, twin seven-year-olds, and a nine-year-old. Roger comes from the Dynasty Cochrane Ski Family. His mother is the first American, male or female, to win a World Cup ski title. His mother, Marilyn, is someone who I'd love to have on this show. Roger skied Division I back in college two decades ago and joined the U.S. national team soon after that, also in the early 2000s. More recently, Roger is forever coaching his kids baseball, t-ball, ski leagues. He's been on our town select board. He recently hopped aboard the volunteer fire department. My point in giving you these details is that he is a very, very busy person, and he somehow fit in 45 minutes of riding, let's say every other day or so, to train for and race the 2021 Unbound For example, once we got to Kansas, Roger suddenly realized that he had a little bit of extra time that he was away from home. So two days before the race, he went on a nearly two-hour bike ride, which by my understanding is the longest training ride he did before Unbound. Assuming you can still call it training when you're two days out before the race. Now look, I'm not sure if anyone completed the 206-mile race on less training than Roger did, but I sure don't know anyone who accomplished the feat on less riding than he did. Seriously, this is one of the most entertaining conversations that I have hosted on this show. I think mostly because it's just two friends catching up. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to jump straight into the conversation where Roger has just suggested to me that I need an assistant at Untapped. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, with Roger Brown. Oh, and it's probably obvious, but Jenny is Roger's wife. Here we go. So wait, what were you just saying about, I had an idea, Ted? Oh, well, this doesn't really need to go on the podcast, but I think Untapped should hire you an assistant. Oh my God, I would. Let's find the person. I mean, I think I, again... All of Ted's fans. There we go. Now we're, we're recruiting. Who wants to be Ted's assistant? What is the what is the assistant uh, job title entail? Job description. I, mean, I don't know. Formatting emails, like just shit that I just don't think is what you <laughs> isn't. Yeah, I mean, I, like Jenny. Jenny doesn't prep her patients, right? Yeah, and that's not because like like it's just because. I her think whole program is doing something else and there are other people that are good at prepping patients and Jenny is a MD I am not an MD yesterday's I, to email to be clear like this should not go this is brilliant we're recruiting as we speak <laughs> yesterday's email had the highest click rate this was the email about you and me Come taking on. on true story you and me taking on Unbound 
Come on. True story. We just need more emails about me, Ted. Exactly. That's, That's exactly. That, we finally figured it out. We did get a very nice Instagram direct message that said, I appreciate the content around Ted, but I want to hear more about the other untapped employee <laughs> who finished the ride, which That's, is what I want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, okay. Four kids at home. Well, three of them are at school now, so one is at home. But okay, but then how about last week? You you have four kids at home, and you have uh, an MD wife who clearly has things on her plate as well. How hard is it to leave home for for five days to go to a bicycle event in Kansas? I mean, I think like I don't want to overstate it, but you know, we didn't launch the space shuttle or anything. Um, but yeah, like one kid went with me and stayed with my in-laws in Kansas. Thanks, Chicken Carol. Um, three kids. I mean, we got a lot of support. We got an au pair. We have my mom. Um, we, um, yeah, so we got, <laughs> we got a lot of support. But uh, yeah, you definitely need to move the pieces around the game board to, uh-huh. to execute. And, and actually, honestly, that was what really made me feel good going to the start line was... I'm going to go ride my bike all day. Yeah. I literally haven't done that in 10 years. <laughs> like, I have nothing. I, you haven't done that in minimum 18 years, because I think that was the last time you said you you had done a 200-mile ride. It, yeah, yes. So definitely more than 10 years. Um, at what point do you start playing the the puzzle game, which is not to say moving things around and anticipating. It's more of a question of what is your thought process when you commit many months in advance? Yeah, I'm going to go do Unbound. Why not? I I had been I'd been sort of thinking about that, and uh, again we were in the office and we had some start slots because Untapped was was uh, part of the expo, and the question got I don't know who asked the question but the question got asked does anybody else want it I mean obviously Ted um, employee Ted is going to do it but who does anybody else want to do it and I said yeah yeah I'll, you know. Why not? Mm-hmm. Nobody else wants to. I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started being a little bit more conscious of, well, I, I should probably ride my bike when I can ride my bike. Uh, it, when, uh, let's timestamp it. When do we, I mean, I'm asking this as much as my curiosity. When do you suppose we, we knew that you were going to do it? Was that sometime in the winter, last fall? No, I think it was beginning of April, wasn't it? Uh, that sounds probably correct and even by april it's not as though you have bright sunshiny days in vermont yeah i mean uh, yeah exactly well this april was this april was actually remarkably bright and shiny agreed turned into a wet may but um okay so then you start riding your bike a little bit so you start riding your bike a little bit uh and then just kind of keep riding your bike a little bit Uh and then a couple months later you ride your bike a bunch (laughs) (laughs) uh how about what would a typical, would you even call it a training ride? Would you call it a bike ride? Describe to me a, a preparatory bicycle ride for Unbound. Fair question. So what I, had, what I finally started thinking about was I just need to spend as many hours in my bike seat as possible. So I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of mileage. I was more just thinking about it in terms of hours because I... You just have, I, I mean, that's, you just got to be in your bike for 
20 hours, 18 hours. You got to be ready to do that. And that's how you get to the finish. I think, you know, I think obviously if you want to ride fast and you have time goals, then you need to start thinking about, all right, what am I doing for power or watts or right? What's you, you need to ride harder. Um, but so what, what I actually figured out was that the hour after I dropped the kids off at school, so 745 to 845 or so, that was when I could, I could do stuff. So I have my youngest, my two-year-old, uh, last summer I got, what's called a Mack ride. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this bike seat, great bike seat. Anybody out there that has kids who are light enough to ride in their handlebars. I think they say ages one to four. Four seems like that would be a large child. <laughs> no disagreement. Uh, if you're a MacRide user, you might want to double check the user manual. I think it says one to four. Yeah. You're right. Okay, go on. Um, at four, maybe they're pedaling you forward. <laughs> but uh, but so I could take the two-year-old because Jenny's often at work at that hour or Jenny and I would, would go together. So a whole bunch of, of the riding I did before Unbound was with PD on my handlebars, mm-hmm. right? So you just go out for an hour and... And if you do that three, four times a week, and then most weekends I did, I'd do an hour and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. usually on the, on the slate. And then, yeah, and that was kind of it. So I figured, and I just, so, so that was the other thing I figured was, look, I'm riding my bike as much as I can. True. It's little league season. So basically every night I was at some little league field doing something. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to ride as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And then there's no, if, if, if doing that gets me to the finish, great. And if it gets me not to the finish, that's fine too. Cause mm-hmm. other than, I don't know, doing steroids, or there's like no other. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, it's nice. Cause you're, you're, you didn't have a benchmark. This was your first ever gravel race. Is that right? This is your first ever cycling race is but, that right uh 90 right i did do a uh, a cycling race in dunedin new zealand in the summer of 2006 five five <laughs> four i don't know a long time ago <laughs> okay <laughs> second ever bicycle race. peak fitness so you're you're riding with the mac ride and with pd up front pd the two two and a half year old almost three Almost three. That that makes for good strength training and resistance because you have the additional weight of another human being on your bike. No different than when you're actually doing Unbound. You have a hydration pack. You're riding with two water bottles. You're riding with a top two bag. You're riding with a saddle bag. All sorts of weight, which cumulatively probably still doesn't weigh as much as PD. So that's that's good yeah. preparation. Yeah. I mean, the, the top two bag was a lot narrower than PD. Yeah. So yeah. I'd, it was comfortable. It wouldn't my, talk my knees back. were. It didn't talk back. It didn't try to steer the handlebars yeah. for me. Uh, it's useful in that <laughs> you can use parts of it to repair your bike if you need to at some point in the event. Yeah, yeah. Three miles from the finish. Yeah. You can take okay. The tube so out of perfect. It. Let's talk. Let's talk equipment. Yeah. Let me let me preface that Ted by Please. saying that I I feel like I feel so lucky to have had. The whole team, honestly. I mean, you, Eliza, Doug, and Tim um, just focused on me for a whole day. And you, I mean, I had a bike that had already finished. 
Won. Unbound. It had already won Unbound. The 26, his bike was a 2016 Canada Slate. I'm sorry, Slate. I did not. <laughs> I did. I, I, felt, I felt proud to have gotten that bike to the finish yeah. again. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, the, the, tie, the whole thing, I could not have prepped myself the way having you prep me. So equipment-wise, I mean, I remember you asked me maybe three weeks ago what tires I was going to use. <laughs> and I said, I mean, you tell me, whatever, what's on the bike. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not riding on rims. I, Which is, um, right, that's the kind of thing that I'm overthinking because you want to go into Unbound with the freshest, thickest set of tires you possibly can. Whereas you've been riding this bike for a year plus, two years. I mean, you've had it in your possessions for that long. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, our, you're going to ride whatever bike. tires are on it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to make sure we have the right tires. I mean, to be clear, I've had it for two years, and I bet I've ridden it now 400 miles, yeah, probably. Yeah, believable. <laughs> and we should also describe the aforementioned team. So that is the untapped team. Doug is Roger's brother, who can provide tremendous uh, engineering insight as well as familial love. Eliza is a very accomplished ultra runner, and Tim is... Uh, a cyclist and a pretty handy mechanic, so we got a we got a pretty great team giving you support. Yeah, I mean it was, yeah, yeah. I, I mean out on the course, it was really cool. So well, so equipment wise, you got me set up. Nutrition wise, you and Eliza, but but I mean Eliza just knows it. Eliza knows the nutrition. Eliza knows how to be on your feet for. 12, 20, 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I really felt like I had a, a ton of support and a ton of knowledge behind me uh, to, get, to get through it. We'll, we'll dabble more in nutrition in a sec. You did suffer a flat tire when a massive nail went through your tire. At, at, where did that happen? About three miles to go. So it, <laughs> yes. it turns out that Unbound was not 200 miles. It was 206 miles. <laughs> Bonus six. <laughs> no, I was, it was funny. I was, I was, I mean, the, the Rene Herse. My... I don't speak French. H-E-R-S-E. Airs. Rene Herse. Ah, well said. Would be the French. Okay. Um, Merci. The, the tires were un, unbelievable. I mean, I, we went all, I went all day. And hit rocks. I mean, the the course is 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 wild. Is wild. The Flint Hills gravel is sharp. Is big. Is small. Is all over. Um. So no flats all day, and seeing a lot of people with flats. There was one woman that I think had seven. Oh. I, yeah. <laughs> I, it was it was unbelievable to watch her finish. Um. And then I, <laughs> the tires, I do have a funny tire story. Some guy, um, uh, Pat Brannigan, actually, I talked to him yesterday. Uh, congrats. We rode together for a while. Do you know Pat? I don't know Pat. I do know Pat now. Okay. I, I had not known him before the ride. I mean, see, but you, the community you meet. I know. It is, it is actually amazing, the people you meet out there. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he said, oh, wow, those are the, I, I don't actually know the. Renee Ayers. Pumpkin Ridge. So oh. it's 650 by 42C. 
And you went with a standard casing, which is the uh, the thickest, most durable casing of that particular tire. So hats off to just standard casing as opposed to going Endurance or Endurance Plus. Hats off. Hats I mean, I, I just really thought that through, Ted. And I felt like the <laughs> the more durable casing, just kind of knowing what the, the rocks were going to be like, I yeah, just did, I yeah, thought that was yeah. more... You know, the cornering, I thought I really needed a supple sidewall to... Pumpkin, Pumpkin Ridge was not what he said. I honestly don't know what he said, but he he totally... I felt called out because he said, oh, wow, those are the blah, blah, blah tires. Yeah. And I said, I got to be honest with you, I have no idea what the tires are. Are they rubber? Are they on my bike? Yeah. <laughs> I know the yeah. brand name. Um, so then I copped to you having prepped the whole thing. And he said, he was like, oh, yeah, that was the 2016 bike. That's Brilliant. awesome. That's so <laughs> Brilliant. Identified. But uh, so then picked up a nail. Three miles to go. I, I was literally thinking, wow, I could, I can walk it in from here. You know, it's not, it's not even midnight yet. Even if the whole thing falls apart, I can walk it in. Oh, wow, the back end of my bike feels really soft. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, remembered. Yeah, I don't, I don't know when I've changed a tire on the road before front rear i forget rear rear i'm glad it wasn't front because right we went out to <laughs> take the bike apart to put i forget it was together. the morning of or the evening before when we're doing the last minute prep for this event having talked about last minute prep for a very long time we leave it to the 11th of the 11th hour what's last minute prep and we're, saying, we were very strategic. We were very strategic. We were very strategic. <laughs> but basically, if you, because the slate has a lefty, you can't merely take the wheel off in a normal fashion. First, you have to take the caliper off, caliper, and then that allows you to not bend the rotor 90 degrees, and then you remove the, the wheel and the tire and change it. Um, so, yeah, as much as you, you would have successfully been able to pull that off, I'm glad you got a rear flat instead of yeah. a front. Yeah, I would have probably ended up... I don't know what I would have ended up doing. But, yeah, so then, you're, then I was... I mean, so then I had my headlamp in my mouth which fortunately didn't die because yeah. it was set on high i didn't warn roger that battery life is very important and i don't want you to finish 20 miles from the finish with the light ironically you had warned me i thought you had told me the rear light was the one that had the weak battery yeah um so i waited <laughs> now, i mean the logic of it now seems silly because the rear light do- doesn't really take a lot of juice i don't think the rear light is the weaker battery of the two lights that I gave you. Oh. But my thinking is you sort of need that. You really need a front light. And if there's a car coming up from behind, even if they don't see a rear light because it's dead, they probably see a front light. Yeah. So you did have a very robust yeah. front light. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was... Uh, thank you. Um, that Looking was good for you. logic. But I did, I did in my mind have, okay, I got to wait to turn on my rear light until it's real dark. But the front light, I'll just turn it on right away and set it on high. Yeah. You know, Ted didn't warn me about that. <laughs> and then I got home and I saw a text from you at 930. Do not turn on your headlight to high because you're going to run out. I went to bed terrified that he was going to run out of light. And he has successfully made it to whatever, mile 175, but then can't finish because he doesn't have light. Thankfully, that was not an issue. I feel like you, I feel like you would end up just riding with somebody, right? By one yeah, five. it's still, it's anxiety provoking. Knowing how, knowing how far you've gone, how you've gone through first checkpoint, no problem. Second checkpoint, no problem. You're you're committed. You're going for it. And I then mean, I'm zonked n- and going no to bed. No problem is maybe, but you know, All right. getting there. So 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 there I am with this headlight on high in my mouth, trying to 
get the bead unseated on this tire that is well seated mm -hmm. and then the typical tire changing where the the tire irons like going around the tire and then popping out and then not and then everything's totally covered in sealant so then everything's slippery then you get the tube back in and then uh can't get the tire again i'm like following the bead around the tire trying mm -hmm. to get it back in um and then I didn't, and then I was, and then the thing I was sure I was going to do was just crank the CO2 and just totally explode everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rode in with a very soft rear tire because I erred on the not exploding the whole tire. Um, yeah. Did you end up using a new CO2? We did a practice CO2 session because I don't think you've... I think I... I don't know. I think I did. Okay. I'm sorry if I did. No, no, no. I should have conserved the CO2. Yeah. Um, I think it was on very loosely, which implies to me that it was fresh. All's well that ends well. Yeah. So you described it a little bit earlier. The terra firma is very firma. What, how would you... Were you surprised? Were you... Uh, was it exactly what you expected in terms of the gravel, the type of gravel? How does it compare to Vermont? Which is, would you think of it? I, so thinking on it now, it seems very logical that that is how it was, but I was worried when we went out, I was really worried that it was just going to be loose gravel the whole way, which I'm curious if on the front it was, because by the time I went, there were defined. Oh, wow to find grew I don't know I don't know what you call them but you could pick up smoother lane yeah I mean front of the pack was 300 people had gone over it and so the gravel yeah. kind of moves aside yeah it was it was very loose I would characterize the, the first 20 miles as very very loose and somebody told me that they'd recently graded so yeah it was basically like golf ball size sharp rock everywhere yeah so by the time I went that had that had sort of gotten plowed to Lucky. the side nice yeah all you gotta do just got to start at the back of the 14-hour group, Ted. There you go. <laughs> so then we have class four roads here in Vermont. Uh, I think they're basically antiquated, unmaintained roads. There were some pretty chunky sections of Unbound. How did those stack up with what you might have expected? It was, I mean, it was a lot of that. Yeah. It was, a, so there were, there was a decent amount of, so when we got, yeah, so there was a decent amount of pretty hard-packed dirt. On, you know the gravel had sort of gotten furrowed off, and uh, and it was and it was fine. And then there were some sections that were that were pretty rugged, <laughs> extraordinarily. <laughs> there, there were some, um, yeah. I mean that that beginning, there were downhills where with washouts. There weren't too many washouts in the uphills, I guess. But there were some downhills where you really had to pick your way. Uh -huh. There were some fords. There were probably five or six rivers that we rode through. Uh -huh. There were some some muddy sections, and actually one of the muddy sections, I sort of wish I had ridden through it because I got off my bike and walked through it, which is what everyone said to do. Um, so then my cleats were all muddy. Ooh. And then I finally, uh, Tim and Doug kind of oiled them up and cleaned them out, but I was it was hard to unclip. I was a little worried I was going to tip over because uh -huh. I had to walk <laughs> through the mud. Um, but, yeah, that was that was... Uh, yeah, I mean, I had no expectation going into it. I didn't know. I was just hoping that it wasn't going to be loose the whole way because then I felt like I was going to really have a hard time. Um, and it wasn't. And then, 
the hills. I mean, that was, that was the, ultimately that was the thing that felt hard. I mean, uh, yeah, there was a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of up and down. I, I often tell folks who are going to Unbound for the first time that there's no flat roads. I feel like you are going up or down constantly, which is why over the course of 206 miles, you tally 11,500 feet of climbing. Somebody had, um, one of the other people I was riding with had a vertical measurement on their computer, which I might have had as well. You you had the capacity. I don't think it was displayed on your... It was not displayed. <laughs> that I'm confident of. And so we were doing the math of, boy, there's 11,000 feet and we're at 7,500. So that's like two thirds, but we've gone whatever, 120 miles out of 200, and that's not quite two-thirds. So that means that we must have done most of the climbing already. Uh, And then somebody said that after the second rest station, Commerce City, I think. um, Council Grove. Council Grove, yes, Council Grove, that it was downhill the whole way, (laughs) (laughs) which (laughs) I feel like I feel like I got a little bit punked on that. Yeah, it may be, it may be that um, Emporia is lower than Council Grove, but in between Emporia and Council Grove, it goes up and down. And I think you hit three, the top three most vertical hills, which is to say, the three longest hills. Have, oh, is that true? I, I'm I'm confident that's the case. Remember, there's those three rollers that are just enormous. They're gradual. There's the one after that lake, yep. which when you're riding along a lake, that's a bad sign because yep. lakes usually aren't high elevation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, that downhill from Council Grove to Emporia, you have done, and your you're, you're thinking is exactly right at, say, mile 120 when you're saying, okay, proportionally, we've done most of the climbing. Yeah, absolutely. We're basically done. But, man, that it's both motivating and so demoralizing when... The race unfolds as it does afterwards. It, yeah, yeah. Race, so, yeah. I can't imagine racing. I mean, I cannot imagine getting on those hills and thinking that you need to hang with somebody or try to get ahead of... I mean, I, I just... I, I, I don't know how you... How, I don't know how you do that. Suspension <laughs> of disbelief that when you're following a rider in front of you who's already going very fast that, and you know that they're not going to point something out, you have to trust that they're... Their line is safe, and they're trusting the person in front of them, and they're trusting the person in front of them. Oh, that. Yeah, I mean, that that, that in itself is also crazy, because that was one thing. I, I mean, we got in some pace lines, but I feel like when you would get on a downhill, you would space out sure. pretty far. Um, to a degree. I saw a couple of gnarly crashes as a result of that. Not of enough spacing space. out or not enough spacing? Not enough. I, um, there was a guy, two guys from Texas that coming, I think in Little Egypt was the spot. Should we pause? Pause for helicopter identification. Pause for... And pastries. Pastries. Commence. Little Egypt. Little Egypt, there were... And I've been trying... Where is Little Egypt? Is Little Egypt a sort of notorious part of every course, or just... That... Little Egypt came to importance in the gravel world because... That's where the winning move went in 2019. Colin Strickland tacked there and went on a 100-mile flyer. 
Wow. And the road is called. Did he attack on that on that uphill? Uh, yeah. There's some pretty cool I, shots. I heard something else crazy that in 2019 the 350 was coming the other way. Yeah. At on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frightening, terrifying. Yeah. This is. It's a. The road's called Little Egypt. It's it's not part of every event, but we knew that that would be a uh, key point in the race. So there were two guys who I was following who, and I think it was in there, who had, I had, I had sort of ridden, drafted off of them for a ways and had gotten feeling good again. So I was really grateful that I had just sat on them, which that's a, that's a really interesting part of being back there is how do you, what is the appropriate, um, way to do you ask somebody or do you just ride behind them do you let them know that you're behind them do you offer to pull do you it's a it's a funny little um ecosystem of and and i also think you can actually really tell the mountain bikers from the road bikers Mm -hmm. because the mountain bikers seem like they're happy to just grind away yeah somebody in front of them not in front of them doesn't matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just riding Mm -hmm. and then the road bikers are really trying to trying to sort it out until the end. And then when you're riding into a wind at the end, everyone is basically just shattered. Yeah, shattered. (laughs) Uh, That's a very astute observation. Yeah, there is no right answer. And the the roadies go a little bit slower down the downhills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less sandy on the downhills. Um, But so I was riding behind these, these two guys, and then we come into this downhill, and I sort of pulled next to next to the the guy who was leading um which that, that the the sort of looking over your shoulder to check is is something that i hadn't really experienced that much and then you find when you're driving the next day you're like again kind of quick checks <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you're not pulling out into somebody but so i pull next to this guy and he he kind of said i felt like a jerk because he looked over and he said hey why don't you give me a little bit of room in case I need to move left? Huh. And I, re- I was like, oh, yeah, of course. What, what, what are you thinking? You don't need to ride two abreast down this, like, yeah. bouncy thing. So then I... You're like, back- your bike doesn't have suspension? Yeah, You what? can't just ride blindly Come down on, this thing? Just, just hammer right into whatever rut you're, you're aiming towards. <laughs> so then I back off, and then the guy, the second guy crashed. Oh. Just He didn't crash. We weren't going super fast, but he tried to move left over a hump yeah. and just lost lost it yeah and i i didn't hit him i almost hit him and we stopped and he stopped he got up and i then kept go- i mean i got i kept going i didn't i made sure he was okay um but uh so then i the whole way to the i think it was the first water stop i f- was feeling so bad and i was sure those guys were just furious at me because i figured he felt like I had hemmed him in somehow because I had been next to his buddy. Uh, so then I got to the water stop and, and waited until they got there and went over. And I said, hey, I'm so sorry. But but they were really nice. They said, nah, wasn't, wasn't at all. I just tipped over. You're fine. Good man. The, There's a lot of heat of the moment things where apologies don't take place in a, in a cycling event. So good work. I think I think you're accustomed to a different style of cycling event. <laughs> I mean, that was another thing that was really fascinating was, so at some point, everybody, myself included, I mean, you just need to stop. You just need to stop and sort of collect yourself. For me, it was a mile 
I think mile 80. We'd stopped at the rest station. I had eaten a little bit of food. I had a mango, which maybe wasn't a very good idea. I had a salt tab or stick or whatever you had had, had at the An house. added tablet of electrolyte. Um, Not your favorite product. Well, I mean, I have no... I, it's funny because you get to the end and you say, oh, well, I, I ate the, the added tab of electrolyte and then I didn't feel good. <laughs> but I don't know how the causal mechanism flows there. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't feel good after that first first stop. So I had naturally in my, I mean, all you're doing is thinking. I said, oh, well, that was obviously because of the salt tab. Um, but uh, but that was where I felt the worst. And so then I stopped, mile 80, I think, I I stopped. And I, I, like, I was waiting for a shade tree. I was, my excuse was that I was going to pee. And then I felt like I just needed to sort of collect myself. And I feel like you ride, you especially in that, and it was hot. You ride by a lot of people that are just collecting kind of themselves, collecting themselves, <laughs> yeah. that are thinking. And there's some, you know, some are lying down. Some are by the by, you know, later one thirty, forty, fifty. They're cramping, and um, I, I kind of got back on and and kept going, and then actually felt a lot better by mile 85 or 90. I mean, I think if I had, if I had seen, um, Doug or Tim or Eliza at 80 or 85, I think I would have stopped. Yep. I mean, I was, I, I, I felt like I, I couldn't eat. My stomach hurt. It just wasn't, it wasn't super fun. Um, but then I felt better. And I mean, it was, it was, the change was amazing. I had never really experienced that where you go from not feeling good and you just kind of keep going. So you got to keep going and then you start feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told you, so I told you every single person is going to go through enormous waves. So the person who wins is going to feel great and they're going to feel terrible. And the person who feels, finishes last is going to do the same thing. I heard a really good post-race interview of the winner of the uh, XL who did 350 miles. And he said, every once in a while, I'll allow myself a one-hour pity party where you just <laughs> feel bad for yourself and you absorb how crappy everything to, is. To be clear, my understanding is the guy who won the 350-mile race finished, f- took four hours longer than I did to finish the 200-mile Possible, race. quite possible. He also races a bike for a living. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I may be doing that now, Ted. Exactly. One one unbound finish. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the sponsorships how much time, are rolling in. How much time do you suppose you could shave off if you did the event again in one month or one year? Just knowing what you know. Maybe do the exact same pr- preparation. Do you think you'd be the same? Do you think... I don't know. I mean, I, so I've, I've actually was wondering that. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't finish. I wonder if you wouldn't finish because you would be too confident and yeah. you would go too hard in the beginning. Uh-huh. Because that, I think that is really key, is really pacing yourself over that first part. Yep. Um, and the only, the only, I felt like I let myself go harder after mile 100. And partly my thinking was, if you, I mean, if you blow yourself up at mile 35 of a 200-mile race, you're an idiot. You just <laughs> look like a moron. <laughs> right? If you blow uh-huh. yourself up at mile 115, yeah. whatever, like, yeah. I got tired and, you great know, accomplishment. There's, it's a good, good accomplishment. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I think, I, I think it would be really tempting to say, oh, well, I've done this before. I can, I know I can make it. I know I can tough it out after mile 150. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to ride 17, 18 miles an hour instead of 14. Yeah. And, um, there were two right at the beginning, probably mile 30. I wonder who these folks were. They had chamois butter kits on. It was a, a, a man and a woman who were riding next to each other. They pulled, it must have been a crowd of 60 people for probably 20 miles. They were just, they were chatting. And the guy, they had both finished several, several unbounds. Um, and he said, yeah, this, you just got to, this is the pace. You just mm -hmm. got to do this. And then you get to finish. Did they... Did they end up finishing? I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. I was waiting for the punchline. And then at mile 70, I we saw that they were calling their, their support team for I a ride home. I assume so. I did. I did. I got in front of him. And as I rode by him, I said, hey, this feels like not a very good idea on my part that I'm ahead of the guy who said that I got to ride his pace. Great to, admission. To get there. Uh -huh. So it may be that he then ended up going by me or I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe he passed me as I was laboring over my nail uh -huh. Uh -huh. nail impaled tire how about fast forward to 100 yards from the finish through the time you went to bed so 100 yards from the finish one thing and this would have felt a little bit overconfident but I, I, did, I honestly don't know how I don't know that I went through the campus correctly <laughs> Because you go up that hill, you turn left, first of all. So why you end up, why you don't just go right straight up that main road into town, I don't... You go straight up the main road. Well, but then you turn left after the bridge. Um, so you cross the interstate. Correct, correct. And then you go left. Yep. And then up. And then it bends around and you go up the steep, awful hill with yeah. probably a mile did, and a half which, to go. Which I did not walk up. Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs> that is a ferocious little thing at the end. And then and then you're like, all right, well, I had to go up this hill to get into town. And then yeah. you're at the top of a steep downhill. You might not have gone through the campus then. No, because then you turn right and you yep. go down that hill. Okay, you're good. And then you come into campus. Yep. And then my computer said to go left. Yep. And then I was on like a sidewalk. Yeah. Oh, you did it right. And then, I, and, and then, then you go straight across the, the oh, intersection. Oh, I did it right. The Garmin, the Garmin had me going all kinds of. Yeah. It was telling it said, me I was going. Turn the wrong right. Way. Begin two hundred and six mile ride <laughs> again. <laughs> you finally made it to the start. Okay, you did great. Um, so you did it correctly. Yeah, hundred yards from the finish. Yep. Finally, on that, on the, uh, in in the barriers. If I had crashed, I would have gotten the same time. <laughs> Because <laughs> you got the 3K to go rule. Great. Um, crowd's still out. This is, you finish, what, four minutes shy of midnight, and my understanding is they stop announcing it at midnight, even though they allow finishers for the next three hours. Did you know, are you aware of that? I was not aware of that, but I did. I was surprised to hear my name. Roger Brown from Richmond, Richmond Vermont. Vermont. Ted and I were the only riders from Richmond, Vermont. Laura was from some... Place in California, San Anselmo. That, I think that sounds right. Yeah, they probably have an old profile. Yeah, interesting. Um, what? Yeah, what are your emotions as you're finishing? You're like, thank goodness, I'm hungry. I'm ready for bed. I wasn't hungry, so that was that was really that was fascinating to me. That I wasn't even really hungry. I mean, I definitely ate the next morning, but I wasn't hungry. Huh. I wasn't. I and at at mile at one fifty, I was. Not hungry because nothing really sounded good. 
That was something that I guess the interview that I wrote, they had all kind. They had bacon and chips and all kinds of stuff. And yeah. the only thing I had was salted raspberry and salted cocoa on tap. <laughs> that was nice. it. Because I knew, I mean, I knew I needed electrolytes uh-huh. and I knew I needed calories. Yep. But I didn't feel like I could really eat anything else. Um, that's some of my warning was going into, especially the second feed zone, have everything under the sun available because if you're typically i typically only want sweets i want fast acting carbohydrates like a cookie or brownie or untapped and i said in the past i've gone to that point i'm like i need something salty i need chips or pizza which i would never normally want which is why i suggested all these things like barbecue and bacon and i cannot imagine eating a pizza at that point i don't even know i like i Still now, thinking about that point, a pizza still doesn't sound good. Okay. Did you sip, <laughs> sip, nibble, nibble all day long? I sipped, sipped. I mean, I stopped nibbling. I was eating waffles on the bike for the first 70 miles, and then it was just too technical. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to... It was too technical to really eat something that dexterous. I actually... I, I have thought about it. I think the reason that I got to the finish uh-huh. was, and you may not recall this moment, um, you gave me full-fingered gloves. Yes. Like the, that morning. That morning of. Because I had full-fingered gloves on, using my phone was not an option. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, and I noticed it when we rode to the start. It, there was a really pretty sunrise, and I thought, I'm going to take a picture of this. It's really cool. So I took my phone out, realized that, my finger couldn't operate the phone with the glove on. Then I tried to take the glove off, and finally you had your GoPro, and I said, whatever, I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm yeah. just putting my thing away. And uh, I think that if I had not had fold-fingered gloves, I would have tried to take pictures or text somebody, or and I, I probably <laughs> would have gotten the warning about the, the headlamp, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I totally would have crashed for uh-huh. sure if I had been <laughs> trying to do something ridiculous with my phone. Oh, man. Which... Um, so that was a good lesson. <laughs> Do okay. not take your phone out of your pocket whilst riding Flint Hills gravel because you will ride into the barbed wire. Yeah. Well, and worse yet is when you realize that your nose can sometimes act as your finger. So if you were trying to use your phone oh, and yeah. use your nose oh, and then you crash sure. into the barbed for wire, sure. that's just insulting. I mean, if, if I had done that and somebody had taken a photograph of me, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what... That would have that would have made. With so many cameras, I've, I've thought about this the past week. There's with so many cameras throughout the week at Unbound and the race itself. Like, yeah, you really don't want to make stupid errors or or navigational errors or just crash because it's probably going to be documented. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have done that. Well, we again, we were in a different <laughs> sort of part of the race. <laughs> where okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but so, so a hundred yards in, yeah. so I'm coming in, I'm not hungry. Um, and yeah, you just get, you get there. I mean the one, so then you cross the finish line and one place where they did take a lot of pictures of the finish line and because it's midnight and it's dark out, uh, they need to use some sort of strobe photography of the brightness of the sun, <laughs> I think somehow. <laughs> And they don't want it shaded, so it's pointing at you. Yeah. So, and I had my hands off the bars because I was celebrating. And so I, I, I mean, there could have literally been a brick wall at the finish line, and I would have just crashed into it. <laughs> so you can't see anything as you come across the line. And then there was a guy 
waving. I did. I was. I didn't understand. I didn't totally understand where. He, I think he wanted me to go one way because somebody was behind me. Maybe I, that it was unclear to me what. Yeah. He was. Uh, what he was waving. Yeah, I didn't. And then I got bar tape. Did you? Yes. Did you get bar tape yes. to finish? <laughs> was I? Was is that like a like that's that's milk, a new thing? Milk at the Indy Five Hundred or something. <laughs> That's a new thing. With respect to whatever bar tape sponsor supported finishing, um, I assume I have not seen who provided the bar tape. So that so if it was a marketing thing, it was not great because the yeah. bar tape na- the name of the bar tape supplier was not on the bag of bar tape that I was handed. Neither was I. I have it downstairs, and now we can retape. I mean, thankfully it didn't crash, so we don't need like retape. That's true. Busted bar tape. Yeah. Maybe they should have given you the bar tape at mile 70 or something. Yeah. Well, I guess then you wouldn't. Yeah. So you get the bar tape, get across the finish, get another uh, another rag, wet rag. You got your finisher lanyard. Get your finisher lanyard. Um, and then, yeah, Doug, Tim, and Eliza were there. Ted was fast asleep and had been for hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you want anything? Do you want water, a beer? Did you want to take a nap? Or are you just like so shell-shocked? You're just kind of there. I'm I mean, there, we got in man. the car. I definitely wanted to not. I mean, at, as I was riding to the finish in the morning, I thought, I'm, if I get to the finish, I'm going to ride home. I mean, you know. <laughs> full circle. Full circle. I've made it. Uh, I was happy not to ride home. Um, I was pretty happy to see those guys. But I, I felt I felt really proud that I had done something that I didn't, that I didn't really think I could, I mean, I don't know that I thought I could do it or didn't think I could do it, but that certainly was surprising. And I just, and I felt really, this is, this is going to sound a little hokey, but I, I felt really privileged to have been able to do that. Right. I mean, it's not, I guess from your, from your seat, you do hard things often. Um, from my seat, it's a, it's a, I mean, what do I do that, yeah, like I, if I mow the lawn and take out the trash on the same day, I come home or Jenny comes home and she says, wow, I'm, I'm nice job. <laughs> that was good. I did not think you were going to be able to do that, but, <laughs> but to be able to, to be able to do something that is, that is challenging, but doable, but, um, with a bunch of other people was is really is is a privilege is really a privilege and have so much support is a unique thing to be able to do and the trash you know the lawn mickey mowed the lawn uh, and yeah the world starts up the next day when you have pd and you have to and you wrangle this kid onto an airplane and yeah, he, he he's proud of you, but he doesn't really know what you just did. He he's he was psyched to see me. Um, the kids were the kids were excited. I will props props to Milliman. That yeah. was Chris Chris Milliman um, had ridden Leadville in the morning. <laughs> I don't know if you were in the room when he said this, uh-huh. but he said what got him to the finish in Leadville was he was ready to stop, and then he thought, I can't let my kids down. Yeah, <laughs> so. You know, that's another thing. You get out in the course and you're thinking, boy, the the, the nine-year-old, seven-year-olds, they don't know how hard this is. Yeah. So if you don't make it, they're not, they're not thinking, oh, boy, 
dad tried hard. Yeah. I'll, you know, they have a very binary view of the world. Um, so you, so you sort of want to be able to say, yeah, kids, I did it. Cause yeah. Cause if you tell them, well, I got to the second feed zone and I really, I was pretty sore and I thought maybe I could get to the finish, but I didn't. And I, you know, 155 miles is a lot and I hadn't trained that much. So I really view it as an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> the kids. Dad. Charlie, do you know what heat Zero. stroke is? Yeah. It was hot. Dad won. Kids stoked. Was it, had it, is that, was that hot or that was, was that? That was very warm. Medium? It or? was medium to hot with, I've never, ex- I mean, time makes the heart grow fonder and you forget stuff. I think that was the windiest it's ever been. Really? And it was windy. Yeah, because it was windy for me, sort of. By the time I was riding the last 50 miles, it was dark and calm, but... Calmer. I remember checking the, the wind app at 10 p.m. The as, wind app? Oh, yeah. Oh. To, for your benefit, because we're sitting around the, the Eliza's birthday dinner cake party as you're out riding, and I was like, oh, man, let's check the wind. And it was still significant deep into the night. It had lessened, but... but oh. Well, yeah. there you go. I don't know that I noticed it at that point. Well, that's because you were just cutting through it like a deft <laughs> sparrow. I did. So one thing, I mean, the, so the hills, I give the hills some grief, but the hills saved me. R- just before Council Grove, I finally started walking up the hills. Uh-huh. And I justified it to myself. So I hadn't, I hadn't walked except for that one hill in Little Egypt uh-huh. where Strickland, now I know, made his attack. Um, I hadn't walked up any hills. And then I got just short of of uh, Council Grove, and I looked down and I said, "I'm going four miles an hour. Yeah. If I walk, I will be going like two miles an hour. Why don't I just walk? And I'm going to give my back a rest, and mm-hmm. my legs a rest, and mm-hmm. my knees a rest. And so from then on, I walked up the hills, which was you take your Take your pride. You put it in like a little baggie in your back pocket, a jersey pocket. You uh, you walk, which I. So the the one thing that I think would have stopped me was was joint pain, and my knee, my left knee, really started to get sore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I think walking would recover it enough that then you get back on and. Then, That was crazy, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of miles on a bike. Yep. So with one gravel race in your Palmares, what is the the future looking like right now? What's your summer looking like? What's your two-wheeled future? Or are you just hanging it up and saying, that was it, I'm done? (laughs) Done. One for one. one. Um, No, I was going to go, I was going to go ride yesterday morning but it rained a little bit and I got up late and I didn't but I feel less anxious about riding I mean I definitely leading up to the race I felt like huh. I, I, if I don't ride now it's gonna hurt a lot more um, but I also feel so that there will also be I think a little bit more enjoyment where I'm not because when I went out, especially, especially on the, the on gravel on the slate, I was constantly thinking. And this this is actually funny. I didn't have a computer on my bike. I don't have Strava. I don't. I I um, 
yeah, basically when I stopped ski racing, I said, I'm going to stop keeping track of how fit I am, mm-hmm. except for stepping on the scale every once in a while, because I'm done, because I don't care, I don't, you know, whatever. So didn't have a computer on my bike, so I didn't know how fast I was going. So when I got to Kansas, I was very concerned that I had been riding on gravel, but had only been going eight miles an hour. And then you start doing the mental arithmetic. <laughs> and you're like, well, I mean, it's just not like, I, they won't let me finish if I go eight miles an hour yeah, the whole time. Yeah, so, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to push. So then I was pleasantly surprised when I, and I was riding like 13, 14, 15 miles an hour. Perfect. So that was, so that was very, very comforting. That's outstanding. But, uh, so to be able to go riding now and not be anxious about, well, how fast am I going? Am I, what are the implications for this ride that I'm going to do, Uh um, of what I'm doing now that I think that, I think it'll be pleasant. Nice. It'll be nice. You do have a metric of that you picked up relatively recently. What was your, what was your whoop strain score? Uh, 20.7. That is a, it is not the technical ceiling, but it seems to be quite the ceiling that is really hard to go past a 20.7. I mean, you had a 20.7. I don't know. We should ask the 350 guy what his yeah. score was. You know what stinks about that, which I experienced. It was over two days. Yeah, once you pass the, the, the 12 o'clock mark. Does Whoop not give you a way to shift your... It's really... I know... I'm sure they can override it. I've had trouble... They know uh, Whoop recognizes a six-hour activity, and they also recognize an overnight activity, and it's hard to make the two things sync together. So if oh. you start at oh, 11 they did. p.m. because oh, it did break it into three different activities, yeah. I think. Yep. I mean, to Whoop's credit, I think Whoop's whole point is um, not focused on measuring how hard you punished yourself, but it's a recovery tool, I think, right? It's, it is both. The strain score... So I, I had a 20.7... I rode for same same as me ten same as ten me. hours fifteen minutes. If I rode for I had a twenty hours 7. at the same output, which would have been very very difficult, maybe I'd hit a twenty point eight, maybe a twenty point nine. You that rode for been, twenty hours. What if you rode hard. for an extra eighteen hours? I mean eighteen hours. What if you rode for another? What if you started at two a.m.? Maybe you could have gotten a twenty point eight also. Better I, question. I don't think it would have been worth it to I our whoop I audience. Don't, I don't know that who I who recognizes have. all this foolishness. Have you been in the green since then? Uh, I actually don't know. I haven't. Today is today is Thursday. The race was Saturday. I've been in the green the past two days. I'm ready for. Let's see. I'm I'm opening up the app on my phone. I'm ready for but activity. I haven't opened it recently, so it. It's gonna say your battery is dead. It the battery is not dead. I, I checked it. My battery this trying morning. to connect. Oops. Level up. Wow. You logged twelve recoveries and leveled up to level twelve. That's a lot of levels. I'm at level 17. Close. Oh, oh 2% battery life. Uh-oh. Well, anyway, to be updated when it loads. Okay. Start, don't start activity. Um, I think we need to do a different product plug, though. Um, what was... Maple syrup. What was your fuel of choice? The answer is maple syrup. I mean, I... Um, Obviously, I'm not a, an endurance athlete. I'm definitely not a long-distance endurance athlete, or wasn't until last week. <laughs> and so I've, so I've never, I, I've used Untapped. I have basically never needed it. 
is the is the phrasing I would use. It was it was incredible. Um, it was inc- I mean again shameless product plug, but that 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 rest station. I mean, so I sip sipped all day and didn't didn't all day love what I was drinking, especially in that when I was really feeling not good, but never felt like I couldn't choke it down. I mean, I knew I got, you got to keep, I got to keep drinking. I got to keep it, keep it in. Um, never really cramped. I mean, I had, that's massive. I had legs. So I don't know what you call it when you're, when you stand up and your legs kind of tighten up a little bit. I mean, that's, that's nothing. A cramp feels like there's a knife in your leg. A cramp feels like you can't stand up. There was a guy after the, after the second aid station who, um, I felt kind of bad. We were, we were both walking up the hill. He got off. We were actually, no, we both walked up the hill and he went to get back on his bike and just fell on the ground and said everything cramped. And I was walking and I sort of said, are, are you okay? Or I said, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? He said, no, 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 there, there's nothing. I'm used to this. I said, I said, okay, I'm just cramping. And I said, all right, well, um, if your heart stops or anything, just yell real loud and I'll come back. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to keep walking here. <laughs> I'll see you at the finish. But so I didn't, so no cramping. Um, and, and I did have that salt tab. So I wonder if that was, that was... You took half of one serving of a salt tab over an 18-hour no, day. I took one of those. One tablet. Yeah. Not a whole I, bag. No. A serving is two of those or maybe even three. I put two in my mouth after and then spit them out. Okay. And then I gave away the rest of the bag. At the second water station, there was, was a guy who, who was complaining that he didn't have any salt taps. And I said, oh, well. Um, I ate waffles during the day. The waffles were, were good. I had put peanut butter. I, I made a couple waffle peanut butter sandwiches. Terrific move. Um, I got them. The tear strip is key. I had a couple waffles that didn't have the tear strip. Those are much harder to eat on the bike but with a tear strip you just kind of you do one handed actually yeah, i did many on the bike you just put your t- put it in your teeth and um we've gotten some really good notes from other untapped users in the event uh butch sims sent us a message i just remember that because it's a terrific name he said i love your product so easy to take down no gi issues i'm 68 years old wow 200 miles there was a guy who um was doing he was doing 200 miles for his grandchildren. And he, I think he was up to 12 grandchildren was what... This was secondhand that I got it. And he kept having grandchildren. So he kept doing the ride. <laughs> so he's done it, I don't know, six times or something. That was impressive. Yeah, that's one way to continue a progeny. Keep having kids, kids. But so then you get to... You get to where you don't really feel like eating, but the syrup, it doesn't taste so great. Tastes tastes fine. Yeah. It's everything everything you need. It was it wasn't. I didn't feel like I had to choke it down. I didn't feel like I, my mouth was dry. I didn't. So it's good it was, at every temperature. You try to take a choke down a gel when it's ninety eight degrees. It's good at every temperature when you're eating the syrup. When I was <laughs> when I had so obviously with the with um, cocoa or raspberry or coffee, you can't really taste the the nuances of the syrup, but. Uh, there were a couple maple untapped, so just just straight syrup that I had, and so then I got to spend a little while thinking, oh, huh, I wonder when in the season we made that. That was, <laughs> that was a good, you know. This is a good. What are the notes of this maple syrup? Vanilla, a little bourbony. Um, 
That's awesome. It 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 was it was really neat to have this company that we've been working on for seven years now, uh-huh. um, and not have had like I said a, a time when I needed it when I had to have it, and to have it really come through in a way that was that I was imp- that I was impressed by and was not aware of before. Well, I'm over the moon that you rode because this marks the second year that Untapped has been as part of the expo which is no small undertaking. Takes two people driving two days each way. The cost of that, the house rental, the fuel, the, the, and and in a way it just, it can feel feel very selfish of me to be like, hey guys, you need to go to this event because it's big in my world. Um, I'm glad that it's been shared in a bigger capacity than just my bike ride. Is a, is a, is a neat event to be a part of. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm really grateful to to Doug and Tim and Eliza for making it happen. Um, Doug and Tim for driving out there. Doug for buying the second creamy machine when the first creamy machine died. Uh-huh. Buying off of Craigslist, second creamy machine. Rewiring it. Rewiring it during the expo. Um, the people of Kansas. I mean, it, it's just a... It's just a fun event, and I—I I mean, I had never been to it until until this year, and it's it's a really neat community. It's a it's a cool, it's beautiful terrain, beautiful roads, um, and and good fun thing to be a part of. Beautiful, no disagreement. It is a stunning set of scenery, as much as it is quite austere. And thanks, Ted. I mean, I, I really, it was, one thing I did think about during the day was when, when Ted King pins on your number at Unbound, you need to have a little bit of pride in your performance and you really need to dig <laughs> a little bit deeper and get there. Um, it was fun to see your prep your what you did how you did it um yeah having having a window into into how you race and how you do everything was was pretty fun too it was really neat to see because i haven't i mean i've never seen that or been a part of that appreciate it you and admittedly you only saw a fraction of it because all throughout the day while i'm at home prepping and staying off my feet you are on your feet at the expo slinging maple and i'm just i'm relaxing you you came. We did the pictures. Yeah. You did the pictures. You did the the shaking hands, the autographs. Did you sign the autographs? I didn't see. Oh, you many. Signing. Yeah, I wore out. Oh some no, yeah, yeah. I guess you signed shirts and bottles, and um, I didn't know if autographs were still a thing, and or if selfies are what you have to do. You auto. You actually autograph the phone <laughs> of, on which the selfie is taken. <laughs> well, I'm psyched you made it. I'm psyched you made it to the finish line. Um, I'm extraordinarily proud of you and now we actually need to go on a training bike ride or just a bike ride together I know well our second bike ride yeah our first bike ride was from the house to the start line exactly (laughs) (laughs) quick one mile opener 1.4 actually did noted All right. well thank you very very much for the past hour and one minute perfect you're welcome 
Thank you, Roger. Thank you, King of the Ride listeners. If you, dear listener, enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, preferably of the five-star variety in whatever listening app you're using. If any of our talk today on Untapped piqued your interest, please visit us, untapped.cc. First-time users can visit our website, read some of that aforementioned sweet, sweet content we're producing, and earn 15% savings. So please check us out, untapped.cc. And if our Whoop talked piqued your interest there on wearable fitness monitors, I love my Whoop. I know Roger loves his Whoop. I look at my Whoop data multiple times every single day. It is not invasive data. It is really interesting and exceptionally useful data. If you want to save the initial $30 and get a Whoop on your wrist for free, visit the website join.whoop.com slash TED and you can get that $30 savings. Try it now. You can thank me later. Thank you very much, my friends. Until next time, please enjoy the ride. <laughs>